Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. We have another win to talk about this evening, and doesn't that feel great? Been a very busy week in football. I say a week's a long time in football, don't I? Or that's something else to talk about. Same thing, isn't it? Same principle applies. And uh, if you forgive that very much, um, part of opening, I will introduce our guest tonight, and that is Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo. You okay, Phil? Yes, I'm very good. Thank sorry, you. Sorry, I've been just throwing me. Sorry, go on. I'm just throwing myself because I can't find me Zoom and I can't see you, and I'm like lost now. <laughs> can't find me. I Zoom mic on. Go on, carry on. No, I was just going to say I'm. I'm very good. Thank you. Riding, riding the wave of Sunderland positivity. So yeah, all it's good. Been a big week for that, hasn't it? And we'll we'll get onto that because it's been news today as well. Um, and as is as is normal in 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 this division and in this climate, we have a game to talk about. Um, from the weekend, as well as uh, previewing uh, an upcoming one, um, as is the nature, but it keeps the, the podcast full of content, doesn't it? So Gareth's here as well, in case you know, I didn't really need to tell people that. Anything to say on the introduction front, Gareth? No. No. no I mean, we can't no. even do those like laboured intros anymore, the sociability well, stuff. I, 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 get, if I, I can do one, like, if you want. Everyone's just sitting in the house. Well, you can, but everyone just sits in the house. What can you do? What can you say to anybody? Like what you've been doing? Nothing. Working from home. <laughs> everyone's gearing up now for the twenty, the twenty-first of June. That's everyone's got it in the head now because I've seen the date, um, and now everyone's excited. So, um, yeah, that would be uh, interesting, wouldn't it? What a what a night that would be. The longest day of the year as well. Twenty-first of June. Yeah, the summer solstice. So you can, uh, you know, stay up till you get you get out there. Just, just have loads of beer, and then, I mean, the state of the if if it's allowed, this they'll have to lock down again the next day just to clear up. I think. But yeah, so there you go. There's your laboured intro about a current affairs, Stephen. There you go. Happy with that. No, nothing else to add on that. You happy with what you said? Yeah, I'm happy with what I've said. So <laughs> check is are people checking? <laughs> People checking what? What what I'm saying? Like, well, the twenty second of well, the twenty second of June is when England are due to play um, Czech Republic. Dear me! In the Euros, I've still got my tickets. <laughs> I've still got my tickets for, and it's around the twenty sixth. It's for the last the last sixteen game at Wembley. So that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. It would be. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers There's crossed. Many fingers. It's all coming to an end. But it's been a. Well, you know, we, we we went really negative to me a couple of weeks ago. It was they beat us. I can't even remember now these games where we lose. What? Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, yeah. And we were all fuming. I mean, I was fuming after the Plymouth game at home. Um, but I was especially fuming after that Shrewsbury game. And I think that was the first time, wasn't it, Phil, when people started. I don't want to say a question, Lee Johnson, but we posted out his, his stats from his first 12 games because you were looking and you were thinking, I'm not sure this is clicking in place. And he's had... A decent amount of time to at least sort of um, put a little bit of a his own stamp on it, and um, a week and a half or whatever it was since that game can be a really long time in football, can't it? Yeah, I think it, it had the feeling of quite an important moment that because I think the reaction, by the way, would have been an awful lot worse if it wasn't for the fact that Louis Dreyfus was at that game. I think that at least gave people a little bit of hope that you know that aspect of things was moving forward, but. Yeah, it did occur to me, you know, sort of doing the post-match stuff for that game because that was properly rotten, that performance. And, and we all kind of, 
called it out for what it was. But you know, Johnson came after the game and he said, you know, it'd be the easiest thing in the world for me to say these aren't my players. This isn't my squad. And um, but he said, I'm not going to do that. I still believe in this team that it can be successful this season. And I also spoke to Max Power afterwards, and he said, you know, I'm not going to attempt any spin. There's no positives. It's not good enough. And it's kind of now and ever for us. Power kind of embodies the fact that, to be fair, since then the response has been really good. He's been excellent and was excellent again on Saturday. And you know, obviously, it's it's still a long way to go. It's it's three games. We're not going to get carried away, but. So sort of after that game, Johnson's changed the system. Well, he's had to change it twice now, but the response has been really good. The team has looked much more balanced. Um, and to be fair to the players, there's definitely been a response there as well. So, you know, it has been a really good week. And for sure, you know, we're not going to get carried away and there's an awful long way to go. But let's be honest, after the year we've had, both in terms of football and, and non-football, you know, we might as well <clears> kind of enjoy it while we can and sort of, you know, enjoy a little bit of positivity. I think everyone deserves that. take myself off mute um it would be nice if that game was a uh, our new four nil at red in elm park wouldn't it because we go on about that enough like the real turning point moment um and i think i think that doncaster game was significant as well do, do you think because you've just said obviously that shrewsbury defeat have followed that but that win because we played doncaster early on the season and they you know it was the beginning of the end for Phil Parkinson that, and they equalised the last kick of the game. And we absolutely battered them that day, didn't we? And Doncaster went on this run afterwards um, where they were looking like they were, a lot of people were fancying them to go up automatically because they put this such this such a good run of form that they put together. Um, and then we've sort of dispatched them and put them to one side again. And that must have given the players to believe, believe to think we are as good as these and we are better than these teams. We just need to prove it now. I think even I think even Wednesday night against Lincoln. Look, I know for large parts of that game, something didn't play particularly well. But I actually thought, and I, and I said this to a couple of the, the other people in the press box on, on Wednesday night. I thought that was quite a good standard of game for what we're used to at League One. I know maybe watching on the telly it might have cut crosses. Um, you know, there weren't a huge amount of chances. The tempo wasn't great at times. But I actually thought it was two good teams kind of cancelling each other out and given that Sunderland didn't play particularly well for parts of that game, the fact that they got through it and also finished the game really strongly, I think, again, just reinforced what you kind of said, that this you know, we, this Sunderland team should be able to beat anybody um, at this level. So I think that coming off the back of the Doncaster game was, was significant, even if it wasn't a brilliant performance for 90 minutes. And then moving into Saturday, you know, having to change things around again, because that was the big thing with Doncaster, wasn't it? Johnson had talked before the game about getting round pegs and round holes. We saw them go back to that 4-3-3, more natural defenders in position. And that, you kind of felt like, okay, he's found the balance here. So to then have to change it again because of injuries and to get a really positive result from that, I think is something that you have to give a lot of credit for. And to be fair, that suggests that his messaging is pretty good because the players are going into new positions and seem to understand what's being asked of them. So yeah, you kind of caveat everything because it wasn't that long ago that we were watching that Shrewsbury game. Um, but for sure, you have to say that the way this week's been kind of managed on the pitch has been really impressive. It, def- it definitely helped them change we, we, the shape at the weekend. Like the, it helped Borgens a lot. I mean, he still defensively, I thought, wasn't great. But it's a you've you've got you know nine behind him, sort of tidying up. You got a bit more protection there um, if he does go up, push on. And then I thought McGeady. And Gooch had 
you know, basically free reign to do what they wanted. It felt like really in that system. Um, so, yeah, it was, even though Gooch was more the, the right wing back, he still was drifting over and it was um, really good to see, like you say, Phil, obviously the, the principles he's trying to instill reflected in the change of shape. Um, and it, I guess going to that shape as well, it is something they are familiar with because they played it a lot for the last year under Parkinson. So um, it was probably something you didn't want to do, but, you know, I think it'd be interesting if, you know, if we try to set up in a certain way on at the weekend and he'd, he'd gone with the back four, um, you know, defensively, how it would have shaped up because we still gave some chances away at the weekend. Um, you know, they should have absolutely somehow missed off the highlights on Quest that miss from six inches from the um, Burton that. player. It, 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 showed them, it showed some player come inside and have a random <laughs> shot and sky yeah. the bar, didn't it? Yeah. And, then, and then I was watching and I was watching it thinking, oh, yeah, wait until everyone sees the next chance they missed. Yeah. And it just didn't show you at all. Oh, that was really bizarre editing that. Yeah. 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 Um, Maybe they were sparing his blushes. Yeah, it Maybe it was his daddy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, who knows? <laughs> like, the only explanation, you know? Because that was the yeah, worst season. That's one of those where behind closed doors you proper doubt yourself because normally if the crowd's there, you get like a massive reaction to a moment like that. Um, and because you don't get that, you're kind of sitting there because especially I was at the other end of the ground and you're like, did that just happen? Like, is he just missed from a yard, or have I missed like an offside flag, or like, what? I, I I I don't actually understand what's happened there. So I mean, that was an unbelievable <laughs> miss, absolutely. Absolute baffling, but there we go. Yeah, it was it was a strange reaction because we were two 0 up at that point, and they had just gone down to ten men, and then that seemed to spur them on, didn't it? And I don't know if like a mental thing, kicked, subconscious thing, kicked in with some of them where they decided, yeah, we've done enough now. Because let's be honest, we all watched that game. Anyone watching that game, two 0 up, playing quite well. When they go down to ten men, every single person thought, well, that's that done and dusted, didn't they? And perhaps the players let that creep in a little bit as well. But um, you get back to the to the to the formation. We were having debates, Gareth, before, weren't we? I thought they were bluffing with that. To be honest, I thought it was such a strange thing for the club account to tweet the formation out. And I thought the only reason I might do that is to try and bluff for whatever reason, because I was looking at starting eleven, thinking I think I can find a better a more balanced team playing 4-3-3 actually with Gooch in the middle but I, I was totally wrong uh, not for the first time and um, and and, and it, it, it's a, I thought it was interesting at the end of the game and it was very honest of Lee Johnson to say um, that he was worried about the game I thought that was a bit that was very honest to, to sort of admit that wasn't it but it shows the players are confident doesn't it if you change the things up when they come in and they just take care of things well, it, it was interesting as well because they actually, which kind of added to, to my confusion because I was kind of the same as you. I was thinking that could easily be 4-3-3 with Gucci midfield. And then mm-hmm. when they did the little defensive drills, they actually warmed up as a back four without Gooch, um, which again made me kind of question it. But so I suppose that was probably a ref- Yeah, but I suppose that was a reflection also of the fact that the way they were setting up, it was also very much designed for Gooch to be as high up the pitch as possible and for Conor McLaughlin to, to step in there. So although it was a back five, they were always looking for that switch onto the right-hand side because Gooch was obviously pushing up over the halfway line wherever he could. So it was a, it was a lot like um, the start of the first season in League One when I think we were calling it a lopsided back four there when Gooch mm. was basically playing as a wing-back then as well. It was very similar. And and it was it was really, really effective. Burton didn't seem to be able to pick up Gooch and he seemed to be... Um, you know, he likes to play in the middle. He'll always tell you he wants to play off the striker. That's where he th- thinks he can do the most damage. But in a game like that, 
there's so much space for him. And if there's one thing he can do, it, it's carry the ball. So, yeah, it was, it was. I thought I was impressed with how clear the team seemed to understand what was being asked of them. You know, it, it, if you'd come to that game for the first time, you would never have said, I know they have played 3-4-3 a lot in the past, but the clarity they seem, the clarity they seem to have was, was really encouraging. And and this was, a, you know, a burden at the bottom of the league. But I think people need to look past that a little bit because um, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbaugh's returned there and the form has been decent, hasn't it? And and they are, I didn't watch Burton thinking that they were a dismal league one side. I felt that, as you say, their form has been decent and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbaugh, they've got some good players. That Johnny Smith, who had the beaten of Vulcans quite a lot, is a good player. I'm not saying they're... Kind of special. I think they'll be in a relegation fight, but I don't think they're significantly worse than most teams Sunderland have played. And as you kind of alluded to earlier, their response to going down to ten men was was really good, and they looked threatening. Um, and interestingly, being near the pitch, you could hear there was a huge amount of frustration, not just in the Sunderland dugout, but actually amongst the Sunderland players. There was a lot of talk, a lot of shouting. We have to get up the pitch. We have to get our foot on the ball for a while. Um, and it did take a little time, but then because of the substitutions, change of formation, um, Jordan Jones brought a real threat coming on. They seemed to kind of steady, and then you get that third goal, which is, yeah, okay, it's against 10 men, but that's a superb team goal, that. So, yeah. Did you count how many passes it was? I didn't. Anybody? Uh, <laughs> Gareth, it's the kind of thing you no, might it do. No, it isn't, no. Yes, it is. <laughs> is it not? There's nothing wrong with it, wasn't that? Do you know I get defensive? Hey, Mickey Loff, maybe, yeah. Because um, it's one of those things I didn't even realise at the time until, well, I don't know if it might have been you who tweeted it out, Phil. Somebody tweeted out um, mentioning how many. It might just be in the club, but I know you've done a couple of tweets. Um, I don't think it was me. <laughs> we'll take, well, we'll take, we'll take your word of that. Um, showing how many, like, passes there were, and I don't think you realised at the time. And, like, just acknowledge the excellent finish as well, because what, you know, Charlie White in red hot form at the moment, as we know, and all of his goals have been the same um, in terms of, you know, crosses by McKeady and headers. And it just shows that he's a striker in confidence. He just reminds us he's got more to, more to his finishing repertoire than that because it was a, a lovely take and finish, that, wasn't it? It was great because he was basically, not that he celebrates particularly exuberantly at any point, but just left his foot. Like, you heard everyone was just like, practically celebrating because it, you knew he just hit it perfectly on the turn first finish. It was terrific really. I suppose it kind of sums up how well he's playing at the moment. When he had that one before where he hit the post, it was like oh my god, I can't believe he's missed that because when it fell for him, you just expected because of the form he's been in and just to absolutely bury it. So um, I think that speaks as much that finish that tells you how well he's playing that him missing a chance it's like oh wow he did not see that coming um, similar similar against Lincoln he missed a couple didn't he and you, and yeah. they they were harder they looked harder than the one he took yeah um, so that, that tells you everything about how well he's been playing a good pass from Jordan Jones as well who I thought was really lively um, you know obviously White's initial chance came from Jones picking up some space and getting a shot yeah I thought yeah I thought he looked good and I thought he helped Sunderland sort of get their get their foot back in the game after that difficult period. Um, but yeah, it was a terrific finish. It just shows how shows how confident he, he was that you know he called for the ball and Jones put exactly where he wanted it and first mm. time finish. Jones is a player. I mean, any player who's on all of these players now, you know, will want to compete with each other now because of because they think a run can give bring promotion. But a player at Wembley, I guess as well. Um, Jones can play in the cup, can't he? 
I've got that right, haven't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I thought so. So you know, unlike Sanderson, he can he can play, and he's on he's a lone player. So how much does he care that much about getting Sunderland promoted if he's not going to be here next season? But he would love to play at Wembley, so that that's definitely going to work in our favour. Um, the players wanting to do that. Um, just on the new owner, Phil. Um, I read that he'd had a chat with the players. Do you know much much about that? Much more about that. No, not a huge amount, really. It's just that um, after the two have gone through, the players sort of had um, a meeting at which the new owner spoke um, and sort of presented his, his, his plans and, and vision for the club and by all accounts was, spoke really well and was, was very impressive. So I think it's been, a um, you know, I think after the last takeover, I think we're all a little bit more cautious, I think. It's fair to say, in terms of I don't think anyone's going to be rushing to major conclusions after the first kind of week or even the first month. Now. I think that's a like a big lesson for us all to take from the last one. But I really like the fact that he just seems to be quite quietly going about his business. Um, you know, we all look forward to hearing from him, of course, and his plans. But you already look at what's happened since he took over, and it's that air of just getting down to work. Um, you know, and actions being more important than words. And yeah. I think it's been a, a, an encouraging week in that respect as well, not just touch. Well, um, we'll, we'll talk about the game in a bit. I know there's been some academy news as well, which we'll look at. But I, I want to talk about like what you know the, the difference these few games can make. Because myself and Gareth have sat here many times and said like, now is the time, Sunderland, to like um, you know really put your foot down and really go for it. And then of course, like you know, it just doesn't happen at all, does it? Um, and you know, I was I was I was looking at the run by um, Phil Parkinson earlier um, when he came, and obviously he struggled uh, initially, didn't he? Um, and Sunderland was lost fifteenth um, when at one point under Phil Parkinson last season when we went to Doncaster. So you know, we mentioned earlier how we had that um, Reading game under Peter Reid. We always talk about it was a turning point. We're saying perhaps the the Shrewsbury one could be that. Well, I mean, last season. Um, when, after Sunderland had drawn at home to, box, to Bolton on Boxing Day, which was just terrible, wasn't it? We was lost 15th and then five wins out of seven and two draws then got Sunderland from 15th back up into the playoffs. So are we, are we, are we thinking we need that kind of run again to really, to really make a show to the, to the rest of the league? And, and is that what it's going to take to get us back in there? Well, I was... In the automatic promotion um, just... contention? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually I'm I'm halfway through a, a column at the moment looking at this, which will be up at some point tomorrow. But um, I was just looking actually at the the sort of the average that you need to finish second. Um, and over the last ten years, the second place teams finishes on ninety points. That's the average. And um, for Sunderland to get there from now, they need forty three points in eighteen games. Um, and I was looking at the Roy Keane season, and after twenty eight games, they had forty three points, and after 46 games they had 88 points so that was a 45 point run in the last 18 games of the season which is pretty much what Sunderland need to do now if they get 45 points in these last 18 games they'll finish on 92 points which is two points per game and there's only two times in the last 10 years that a side who's got two points per game hasn't been promoted automatically so that gives you a sense of the kind of run um, we're looking at what's that 15 wins or 12 wins and three draws from your last 18 so it does still feel like a stretch 
Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about a good week, but when you look at the inconsistency over a season, it's going to take a big shift to suddenly put a run like that together. But you know, it just goes to show that you know that momentum can be can be really powerful. Um, so it's going to take a, a really impressive run of form. But you know, the precedent is certainly there. Yeah, and I, I know sort of like you, you can look at the stats and then say that as well, but. And again, I'm not, you know, measuring this by stats or anything. I'm just, I'm just, you know, going from my own memory and stuff. But it doesn't. And we've said this before. Like, I, people are waiting for Lincoln to drop off, aren't they? I don't know why, because the, you know, they keep it up. But I think people are watching them and waiting for them to drop. Peterborough look like they've potentially got the ability to like pull away. But again, we say this every year about Peterborough. Does it doesn't seem, does it? Like, you know, and our third season down here, like there's been a couple of clear a couple of teams that can clearly run away with it um, like there has been previously. Does, does anyone, do you know what I mean? Does anyone agree with that? It doesn't seem like there's like where, yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to go up. I mean, there was probably only Coventry last year anyway in in, in that boat, but um, certainly the year, year before that, there were three or four teams who pulled away from everybody else massively and that's not happening. I think you've really, we, you look at, I mean, from our perspective, it's, I think the current situation where we've got this run of games against teams who are in the bottom half of the table, um, this is the chance to get your foot back in the door. This is the the next five games or so. Basically, they've got to win four out of five, I would say. And then they'll be right back in with the shout. And then we know we've got that run of games against all the teams around us. Um, And that's all they can do is win... You know, we've got to win our games now. Make sure we've we've got that chance, and then start. You know, our results against the teams around us this season have been pretty good. Um, so you got to be hopeful that if we can get a, that finally get that put that good run together, we are due one. You know, you usually do get one a season um, where you get a good run of wins. Um, this has to it has to be now. And then you can kind of reset when we get to the, once we get past the final, you know, kind of take stock then and go, let's look at it now and say, right, this is what we've given ourselves a great chance here. So let's, let's make sure we make a count and start pulling. It just hasn't been a massive, it hasn't been a massive upturn in form really for us to put ourselves right back on contention. That's what I'm sort of optimistic and hopeful about because a point behind Portsmouth suddenly that just seems to have come from nowhere because we just look like we were so bad and so far off at a couple of points behind Doncaster suddenly. And you just think we're all excited and 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 and, and sort of get the sense that it might be different this time because I think the 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 takeover thing has, has helped boost you know the, the feel good factor around the club, hasn't it? But in reality, Phil, we're just saying ourselves a week and a half ago I felt like the end of the world at Shrewsbury. It, Hasn't been that much of an upturn yet. And that that's what gives me hope just to think, well, we've put ourselves back in contention and we haven't done much for that to happen. No, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I still think, you know, there needs to be an element of perspective about the fact that, you know, Peterborough are eight points ahead at the moment and I think Lincoln are nine points ahead. And to be fair, you know, Lincoln, I don't think there's any reason to suggest they're going to fall off. They had their wobble. We saw some of them beat them com- convincingly. And they've come back really strongly and then had a good January window. You know, Peterborough have got a strong side and have been fairly consistent over a little period of time. Now, that's not a negative. You've still got those two, two teams to play. You can still absolutely bring them in. But it does underline that, 
you know, you are going to have to produce a really, really strong run of form to, to haul them in, I think. And that's probably what was encouraging about Saturday was, yeah, and Gareth's absolutely right, this next little run of games is absolutely key. But one, the one thing that we've always said about someone with this division is that they really struggle to put away sides down the bottom. You kind of back them, you think, chance against sides at the top. And to produce that kind of almost routine win, if you like, on Saturday, that really controlled clinical performance, in some ways, might give you a little bit more optimism than, you know, say the Doncaster game, because that was something that we've really struggled to do over a long period of time. So, yeah, and, and this next little run of games is a big opportunity to, to, to really change, really change the dynamic of the season, I think. I guess what we've well, seen, we'll, we'll we've seen talk with Peterborough, um, what we've seen with Peterborough um, recently is in the last two seasons, they'll, they'll beat everyone like 3-4-0 for about six weeks. And then they can't, it's like they can't score all of a sudden. And then they go on this run where they're like, don't score in like four games. And then all of a sudden, it'll, it'll click again. So hopefully, one of their runs um, is just around the corner. One of those, you know, because I watched the game at Gillingham. Um, in the first half, Peterborough did nothing. And then second half, um, they just like blew them away in about five minutes, um, Peterborough. Saw a bit of Portsmouth as well at Bristol Rovers and they were quite poor. And the goals they conceded were hilarious. Um, a really bad defending. So against, you know, when you get if you see some of those teams and the way they play and you kind of measure them up against us, you go, well, it's not like that first season where, you know, you'd see Barnsley or whatever and they'd absolutely smash someone um, or Luton would go. Yeah, and, that's what and I mean, yeah. It, it just Link, Lincoln of the weekend. Yeah. Like... We, we went on a run in that first season where we got like, we were unbeaten in I think it was something like 21 games and we couldn't get, we just couldn't, because they were on runs where they were unbeaten in 20-odd games. Mm-hmm. It was just ridiculous, really, that first season. But but even then, you know, I've got it up here, Barnsley got 91 points that season. Yeah. So they didn't even reach two points per game. Yeah. So, you know, Peterborough currently are chatting at that level. I, I know what you're saying, but I think you've got to give them a certain element of kind of credit and respect oh, at yeah. this stage of the season. And Definitely. Certainly Lincoln as well. But it's but it you know it's you would have said ten games ago people were saying you know Hull well let's they they're done and dusted they'll definitely go up and now they're looking a weak position than anybody in the top six now Doncaster as well team. everyone well, was back on Doncaster Doncaster still got a game in hand um, but you know <clears throat> Hull have had two more games than everyone else three over Doncaster so and and they haven't pulled away they they're behind now so they there's a and they'd obviously had that result the other night where the with three. 3-1 up or whatever and chuck it away. So, confidence-wise, um, and our away form's excellent, which is, and we've got a lot of those top teams to play away from home. So, that that's a quite a positive thing as well. Um, yeah. Who cares about stats and measuring stuff accurately, Phil? We're going to just go. We're just going to continue to be positive. Well, like I, said, uh, I did, I did highlight, I mean, false hope. The, point, the points on the, the PBG that, Sort of Phil's made. I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and I can't. I don't know what it calculates at now, but I think to get eighty-five points, I was saying we'd basically need to go about two point one points per game. Um, now it's not impossible that eighty-five points could get you second, 
but at the same time, you look at Peterborough, they've already got 55 or whatever, or Lincoln have got 55. It's like, well, there's, they only need 30 more points, like 10 wins from the last, you know, what, 19 games. You know, it's, it, it, I would I agree with Phil, it seems unlikely. It's like sometimes you look on Pete, you look the momentum and that You've I. You've changed your tune. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's the moment, the momentum, the idea of it. Is great, like is great, but the reality is you've still got to find those points from somewhere, and it is going to take, you know, 12, 12 wins, like like Phil says, and three draws from the last how many games we've got left? Eighteen games. Mm-hmm. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Or thirteen? We could just say we like win thirteen and lose the rest, but you know, we we tend to draw lots of games. Um, and tomorrow night will be an interesting one because without the defence the way it is at the moment, they've got some clever forwards um, at, at this level, some intelligent forwards, and it'll be interesting you know, to see if we can sort of make sure we close it up and, and don't give you know someone like a, a Madden a sniff because he, he'll get you sort of 10, 12 goals a season normally at this level, won't you? So... Um, uh, you know, at the moment I've got that horrible. It's like I enjoy the win. I think I've said this before at this level, but like I'm always looking ahead to the next game and then starting to worry. It's like you know, if we don't follow it up with a win tomorrow night, it'll be that people will be down again. Kind of, I know, like Lee Johnson said himself, you know, people don't get too up, don't get too down. But when it gets to this stage of the season, we are playing catch up. We haven't got much margin forever, and I think that that's the that's the difficulty. Well, just just doing another count of Phil Parkinson's run of form there. Actually, 13... I think I've got this right. Um, so, nine wins, three draws and one defeat was a little patch that he had before we lost to Coventry. So, it's that's the kind of sort of run you look at, isn't it? Yeah, to put yourself in that position. So we've done it. We've done it before. Yeah. You know, we we do. It was quite an impressive run. That just looking at it now, and two blocks of four wins in a row, and then um, just a one defeat to Portsmouth stuck in there. So, you know, let's let's see what they let's see what they're made of. We'll be fuming again after Tuesday when we lose to Fleetwood. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Um, but we'll come back and um, reflect on the the news coming from the academy today as well. Welcome back to the Wise Wednesday podcast. We have a game enough uh, against Fleetwood to talk about. Um, I want to quickly just talk about the uh, news coming from the academy today. Phil, do you want to fill our listeners in on that? Well, do you not want to talk about? Yeah, so you know, do you not want to? Sorry, do you not want to talk about? Uh, sorry, Phil, that you know that wasn't very in ter- good, well. In in terms of well, cutting them off like that. Oh yeah, well, when once I'm finished, you'll, you'll be apologising. <laughs> It might be all change at the academy, but terrible broadcasting. You can also, you can also all change your wardrobe by heading over to from the terraces. uk and using the code WMS10. Okay, sorry, fair enough. Yeah, Apologize. Exactly, yeah, apologies. Won't be hearing from you again. Um. So yeah, head over to um from the terraces. uk. Use the code WMS10 um to get all your your gear in for. Um, June the 21st, Pints Again, as it'll be known, ever thus. Right. 
Tell us about the academy situation, Phil. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no problem. Um, no, so I think someone have finally um, replaced Paul Reed. Um, so just to give people a bit of background, um, Lewis Dickman's being promoted, if you like, to that role. Lewis has been in the academy for in various roles for a long period of time, but most recently returned as head of coaching. Um, head of coaching is it's appointed by the club, but it's actually a position that I believe is remunerated by the Premier League. Um, so it's almost a, you know, obviously he's employed by the club, but it's it's a Premier League role, if you like, to kind of ensure um, standards across all the academies. Um, so Lewis has been replaced in that role by Stuart English, who people may have seen has been at the last couple of games. Um, he's done that job before at Brentford, but has most recently been assistant academy manager to Christian Speakman at, at Birmingham City. So, um, so yeah, that's that's basically it, really. Lewis Dickens, the new academy manager, a really important appointment. Um, a good one, I think, because already has a really strong um, sort of connection to the club in the area, has a really good relationship with um, you know the players, their representatives, the families, um, and hopefully it's a you know the start of a much better period for the academy and a and a bit of a signal um, you know that some of the mistakes um, to put it mildly of recent years can kind of be rectified moving forward and most importantly it's some clarity for those players in the academy because obviously it's far from ideal to have such a prolonged period with an account without an academy manager so hopefully those kind of promised them players on and kind of where the club's headed it's a bit of sweet in a way isn't it because i think like i was did you know the um somebody shared the the article earlier in our group chat graph about um the owner wants to replace the pitch at a cost of like 500 grand or something um which is great <laughs> but then it just reminds you of the academy balls up over the last couple of years where they're sending these players off for like 300 grand and stuff like that and you just so so depressing in a way that you think it are you know, 500 grand straight away on a new pitch, no problem at all. And you just think if this was a year ago, um, you know, maybe that could have been prevented. But, uh, you know, never mind. Are you, are you getting the feeling as well, um, Phil, from just, you, you know, speaking to people around the academy that they think this is, these are significant changes and not just yeah. talking gestures? Well, I think a big thing that I want to stress as well, obviously the, with the players who left, the financial element, um, you know, in terms of the club is obviously critical. But also one of the reasons why these players were leaving was because they didn't necessarily feel like um, the club was making a big enough effort to keep them. Um, and so that's why I think it's not just about the club having the financial ability to reject these bids from clubs. That's only one part of it. A much bigger part of it is showing these players that this is actually the best place for them to be now. And that's why I thought it was so important. And I wrote this in the Academy investigation I did at the time. So important that this appointment is someone who could really build relationships with players, with their families, with their representatives. So it's not just about the club having the financial weight to say, no, we're not going to accept this bid from Manchester United. It's about the players actually being convinced that they want to stay at the club. And, you know, as I say, Lewis has been in the academy for a while. So hopefully, you know, he'll be able to build those relationships and they'll be in a really strong position. Because like I say, the financial aspect of it is absolutely one part of it. But it's, you know, it's not the only part of it. And so hopefully um, this is a kind of a good appointment in starting to address that. Mm. And how much do you know about Stuart English, Phil? Not a huge amount, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously he's, he's someone who Christian Speakman will know 
um, who, who Christian Speakman will know very well from his time at Birmingham City and obviously their record of bringing through young players um, was a really good one. Um, and I think the thing is as well is obviously he has done this job before, head of coaching um, at Brentford. So hopefully he'll have a really good understanding and be able to make a quick start. Well, fingers crossed for that. Sunderland have another game um, midweek, as we said. They're coming around thick and fast. Fleetwood Town, uh, another side we haven't got a good recent history against. I mean, it's a entire history against Fleetwood, but it is very recent, obviously. Um, we put a bit of that to bed at the weekend at Burton because we haven't got a good record against Burton. Fleetwood seem to have fallen off a cliff, Phil, um, form-wise, don't they? I couldn't believe that. When I looked at that earlier today, their form has been properly dismal. Um, I think it's only two wins since Christmas. Let me just double-check that now. I think they've only won one in ten, I think, haven't they? Yeah. I think it's even worse than that, Gary. Um, They beat Doncaster um, a couple of weeks ago, and their previous win before that was the 12th of December. Um, So their form has been really poor. By all accounts, they were unlucky not to beat Charlton on Saturday. They drew 1-1, so maybe they're starting to turn a little bit of a corner but we've seen before they've got good individual players Joey Barton always used to go on about you know plucky little Fleetwood their budget at this level is massive I can promise you that much and you can just see that from the you know the calibre of player they've actually got at their disposal so um, so yeah they'll be a decent side as as Gareth mentioned you know Paddy Madden's a reliable goal scorer Um, but yeah yeah, that, that form really is dismal over quite an extended period now. And on that bombshell about Fleetwood Town's poor form, I'm afraid we're going to have to love you and leave you because a technical difficulty meant the end of the pod went missing. It's probably somewhere in the ether now. Um, But not to worry, Rory and Matt will be back on Thursday um, to preview the game of the weekend and hopefully talk about an excellent victory over Fleetwood Town um, tomorrow night or Tuesday night depending on when you're listening um, also keep an eye out on our social media feed at the moment because we're hoping to arrange some sort of online event in order to preview the Papa John's Trophy final so if we can't all go all be together in London then you know, maybe we could be together somewhere else instead uh, so keep an eye out for that um, but as I say Rory and Matt will be back on Thursday and thanks for listening tonight and apologies apologies <laughs>